Hello, friend. Welcome back to Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel. I I am your host, Neil Helligers. What's to what's to hide about that? Anyway, the plot, 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 as they say, a, a, a is thickening, ickening, ickening on Echo Park. Arc, 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 arc. I am. Uh, I had to do that once, and now that I've done it, it is out of my system. I promise. So yes, Terrence not only got to see what James's life is like, but he also got a clue into the truth behind the clone murders, and of course we are always seeking the truth, and of course we are also always seeking this word from our sponsor. Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening, and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. So something I want to mention uh, about Echo Park as we continue along the path of truth here um, is something you see a lot in sci-fi, especially recently with some television shows and things like that. It's this idea of near future sci-fi, five minutes in the future, whatever you want to call it. And this is, of course, distinct from technology hundreds of years into the future, which is sufficiently advanced enough to be indistinguishable from magic. Whereas the technology in Echo Park is, you know, cloning is obtainable. It's doable. We just haven't done it yet with humans for obvious ethical and moral reasons. I've always felt that the best thing about sci-fi is that it does examine the present through the lens of the future, whatever that future may be. So in our case, in our present day, where we have emergent technologies popping out all over the place, AI, um, that have potential consequences, stealing jobs, we are able to examine what those consequences might be, kind of feel them out philosophically and emotionally, and decide how to handle them when they become reality, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes or five years into the future. All of that aside, let's get back into the fiction reality of Terrence and James as they continue on down that dark, dark, gritty Echo Park path. Here is episode six. Enjoy. As a car drives itself away from the Zhang residence, rain blurs the world outside. The torrent matches my thoughts, my feelings about my biological parents, Dr. Zhang's notes, the Alpha Gene experiments, Rasa, it all becomes a simmering panic with no conclusion. What happened to Mia? Charles? Is it Dr. Zhang or someone from the Alpha Initiative that's doing this? Or does his theory regarding our manipulated aggression genes hold water? Could an Alpha truly have killed them? 
Alpha, like, Roque? I pull out James's phone. It's not a text or call, but a social media keyword alert. Opening it, the feed is a flood of headlines. We deserve justice. Clone protesters rally in front of LAPD headquarters. Doubles demand more from DOJ. Copies call cops criminals. LAPD neglecting the clone community? I scroll frantically up the feed. The posted photos evolve from professional photojournalist shots of the marching echoes to chaotic cell phone pics and videos showing the police in riot gear advancing. The echoes are waving signs featuring the circle symbol with and without the tangent bar. There are cartoons of Dolly the sheep splashed in blood. My breath catches as a video of Roque scrolls into view. They've replaced their usual tailored ensemble with a white muscle tank, a bandana around their neck, and jeans. They're standing on a dumpster. The echoes wheeled into the street, shouting into a megaphone. We're here peacefully protesting to demand justice for our dead siblings. The LAPD has been neglecting the Echo community since its formation, even as we face daily harassment and violence from anti-clone radicals, including cops themselves. Two of us have died within the past week. On top of the racism and class discrimination some of us Echoes face, we're viewed as genetic abominations, subhumans. Even the government has not given us full human rights. So what is it going to take for us to get justice? To be given the rights we deserve? Or is it just how originals run society? If you're our allies, then stand with us! Support our right to basic freedom. And if you can't swallow your own fucking bigotry, then fine, hate us! But do your job. Protect us and serve us like the human beings we are. The video's audio is flooded with grainy screams and cheers. The crowd's fists and signs pumping into the air before cutting off. My pulse hammers. I think of the time Roque stood up for me at the retreat. All the times they comforted me once we'd been kicked out. But this is a mistake. A huge mistake. They're right, but they're putting the entire community at risk to make a point. I clumsily dial for James. He might be able to help keep the cops off the protesters. Convince the protesters this demonstration is just going to piss everyone off. The line rings. And rings. And rings. No answer. Fuck. I have to go support my family. Even if I think the protest is a terrible idea, even if I think it will do more harm than good, I owe them that much. My source can deal with this bullshit alone. I press my way into the mass of shouting protesters. Most people's faces are masked or partially concealed under bandanas. Of the unmasked faces, only a few are recognizable. Most must be echoes from the other communes, but what about the rest? Someone waves at me, then gestures to their mask. You should cover your face. Fuckers can ID you with a few pixels. They shout. And they're right. I should have brought something to hide my identity. Shit. This protest is dangerous and foolish on too many levels. 
but around me, the echoes chant and march in harmony, totally committed. But I feel like I'm sinking instead of being buoyed. A loner mixed in with the pack. The echoes stand across from the anti-echo radicals, at odds with each other, with a barrier of black-clad cops between them. The anti-echo radicals stomp and chant, their faces hidden in Ski and Guy Fox masks. What unmasked faces I can see are all twisted in snarls, ugly with fury. Their signage is an almost comical spectrum of accusations. Archogenesis is the Antichrist. Clones are the soulless offspring of Satan. Clones are killers. Cloning is eugenics. The clones are a government psyop. The insane claims never end. Do these people really believe this shit? I need to find Roque. The Echoes will listen if they tell the crowd to retreat. But can I even convince them to? They've always wanted to make a display like this. To take their own fate in their hands. Several rocks arc into the Echo crowd triggering a series of warning shouts and frantic screams. Bodies compress around me as people surge forward, battering their fists against the cops' riot shields. I'm dragged along in their wake. Rubber bullets crack around us. The anti-echo radicals push forward, sandwiching the cops between the two roaring factions. Shit! An elbow jams itself into my ribs. I struggle against the current of bodies. I double over, wheezing, just as a canister pops nearby. Tear gas sprays the crowd. I cover my face and fall against the people in front of me. Panic swelling. I can't see anything but bodies everywhere I look. Bodies and gas and angry shouts. A scent of sweat and tear gas filling my nostrils. I feel like I'm passing out. Might end up trampled to death. And then someone hauls me upright and shoves a sweaty bandana into my face. Hurriedly, I nodded behind my head, masking my nose and mouth. It makes breathing a little easier, but only a little. Oh, fuck. Through the canister, I'm pulled forward again, a drift of pepper spray picking at my eyes and stinging my sinuses. My breath snags in my throat, my head going helium light. The line of cops separating us has thinned now. Barely one cop deep as the two groups claw to get at each other. I see the flash of the riot shields in the streetlight. The two groups collide, and I'm being drawn into the brutal fault line of swinging pipes, bats, and fists. Molotovs flying past, shattering into the crowds. This is exactly what I feared. We'll be painted as the villains. The evil, violent doppelgangers the conspiracy theorists painted us out to be all along. And if more clones die, Cops can claim innocence. After all, they didn't attack us. They just stood aside to let these radicals have free reign. My pulse points. I need to get out of here now. 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 Or these insane sources are going to kill me. Going to... A strangled yelp bites through the din. A kid. I pulled my way through the tumult of bodies, drawn by the sound throwing elbows and kicking shins, not caring whether it's an echo or non-echo I'm hitting. Someone is hurt and no one is doing anything. I see them then, a teenager, curled up protectively against the stomping feet. They can't be more than 15, baby-faced, a pin-encrusted, filthy backpack hanging limply from one arm. Their shirt is a dingy yellow tee 
with the words clone rights markered in red across the front. A kid, a non-echo, an ally. They grasp their ankle with one hand while the other hooks over to protect their head. I tear through the last people to reach them, hauling the teenager up. Their nose is bleeding, their lower lip sausage swollen. Their dark eyes are wide in terror and they clutch me on reflex. Just hold on, okay? I'm getting you to an ambulance. It's not far. I start to walk again, but we're almost immediately bowled over by another rush of people. My ankle, you got stepped on. They whimper. It's fine, I got you. With the kid in my arms, I suddenly feel focused. There's an urgency that muscles out panic and fear, amplifies my adrenaline. This kid needs my help. They need me. I fight through the crowd with a brutal burst of energy. The gritty blare of cop car speakers joins the roar and hiss of gunshots and gas canisters, threatening the protesters with lethal force. My throat and lungs burn. Someone snatches at the fancy shirt I bought with James's money, tearing off a piece of fabric. I keep my eyes locked on the lights of the ambulance ahead, never wavering. Soon, I'm there, slipping the kid into the arms of the EMTs. One of the EMTs grasps my wrists. We got them, man. You okay? You breathing? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Will they be all right? I ask, panting hard as I watch the kid settle onto the stretcher. I get a full view of their ankle as the EMTs pull off their sock, skin swollen and purple. We'll, we'll take care of them, okay? You did good, man, all right? Now, now get somewhere safe. As the door to the ambulance begin to close, the kid offers me a pain, blood-pink smile. Thank you, they mouth. I raise a hand in mute acknowledgement, and then they're gone. The ambulance pulling away and disappearing down a side street. A surprising sense of relief fills me, not just because the kid is safe, but because a non-echo ally like them exists at all. Someone who sees us as human, deserving of happiness and freedom. All the boiling rancor that's clotted in my head, stuck like splinters into my heart, suddenly melts away. Maybe there's a place for echoes in this world after all. James is still passed out when I return to the hotel at midnight. He's fallen off the bed, a pile of puke next to his head like a chunky thought bubble. I check his pulse, his breathing, all fine. I stand over him. What would I have done with my life like James? As irritating as he is and how flagrant his privilege can be, I still care for him more deeply than I realized, especially now that I have met his parents. Our parents? Sighing, I drop a light blanket over James and tuck a pillow beneath his head, numb and dazed from the protest. I toss my ruined clothes into the trash and shower the sour sweat and gas off. New bruises dapple my ribs and face. Scrapes and cuts fleck my cheeks and arms. Afterwards, drained but twitchy, I lay flat on the clamshell bed, run through the information I gathered from Dr. Zhang's safe. The alpha echo theories, the gene manipulation, the new biofirm, Macaulay's Therapeutics, the one that desperately wanted Dr. Zhang to work for them. I snatch out my phone and search for the company. The design is blandly cheery. 
their mission statement and about us section are similarly inoffensive and vague. With innovative science and technology, McCullough's Therapeutics is reimagining the potential of medicine. We are dedicated to developing and commercializing life-saving and life-extending gene therapies. <laughs> Bullshit. Clearly. An idea pings into my head. I could bullshit my way in. James style. On their contact page, their number says they're available 24-7. So, I dial McCollum's Therapeutics from James's phone, just in case they have caller ID or trace it later. Dr. Zhang using his son's phone seems less sketchy than a random hotel number, right? McCollum's Therapeutics, this is Deidre speaking. How may I direct your call? With another glance at James, still sound asleep, I clear my throat. <clears throat> yes, uh, hi. I'm a doctor previously employed at Arcogenesis. I was hoping to talk to someone about the position I saw on your website. In my mind's eye, I picture all the emails addressed to James's father that I found, practically begging him to speak to the directors at Macalos. With Arcogenesis? Sure enough, the woman sounds more alert now. Keys clatter in the background. Of course. Dr. Zhang. I answer. On the ground, James snorts. Then he rolls over and begins to snore. I ignore him. I've got a 9 a.m. with our senior program manager, if that works. That's perfect. I jot down the address she gives me, agreeing to all the usual bullshit terms and conditions while I'm on the line. A few minutes later, I leave James's phone near his head, then crawl into bed alone. Excitement buzzes through me as I fall asleep, forcing me to play out all the worst-case scenarios. Maybe I should try and wake James up, get his opinion on this idea, or get him to go instead. But... No. I don't need my source. That's what the Circle taught me. I tricked James's own parents, didn't I? I can do this. I will do this. I repeat my resolution until my mind empties of thought, leaving me in a dreamless black fog. Only the twinge of my new bruises punctures the darkness of sleep, provoking the memory of a pained scream. A sound of anger and fear. A sound of hope. Hello, friend. This is Neil Helligers, host of Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about the Greenlight app. And this message is, of course, sponsored by Greenlight, but I was using, our family was using the Greenlight app uh, even before the first ad in a wonderful, thrilling, cosmic coincidence, right? See what I did there? So again, to catch you up, Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Basically, the way it works is that parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving. And you can see exactly how much money they have in their account. And there's different ways to give them money. What we've been doing is on a, like a weekly allowance, a certain amount that goes into his account every week. So in order to further the conversation about money and about earning, uh, we're using Greenlight as a kind of a foundation for that conversation. Uh, in other words, instead of just the allowance he gets for certain base things that he's expected to do around the house, uh, we are also adding the chore feature, which is certain one-time payments for certain one-time jobs. For example, in our house, we're trying to encourage our son to start walking the dog more. He's old enough for it, he's responsible enough for it, and he's done it enough that he knows what to do. So he can really see that for all those extra times that he 
steps up and does the dog walk, he gets rewarded for that job well done. And this is the conversation. In life, when you work a little extra harder, you get a little extra compensation, and you can either save that up or spend it how you like. And we're not alone in this. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's a very easy and very convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and for families to navigate life together. So sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash adrenaline. That's greenlight.com slash adrenaline to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash adrenaline slash 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 slash. So thrilling, right? Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Shiny black towel reflects my face. My expression is grim. Mouth thinned, pensively, forehead wrinkled. I take a slow breath, trying to exhale the tension as I wait for my appointment. If I'm pretending to be someone like Dr. Zhang, I need to be relaxed, coolly confident. I used James's credit card again, this time on a suit and tie. Hopefully it survives longer than the last outfit. McCullough's offices are a clean glimmer that speaks of wealth and ingenuity. Even their secretaries are young and bristling with an eagerness to please. The swish of a door, the sharp click of heels, I keep my eyes on my phone, confident meant aloof. My attention is valuable. Hello. Sorry to keep you waiting, Mr... I look up without a smile, trying for a low-key scorn, but the face I meet has my eyes widening into moons. I forget my entire plan. Sophia? Terence? She says slowly, her face taking on a strange hollowness. Maybe I should have pretended to be James. But I can't help it. A smile stretches my face. Why is she looking at me like that? It must be shock. I jump to my feet to hug her. Oh my god, Sophia. Oh wow. I step back to take her in, hands resting on her shoulders. She was the last highlight of my retreat life. Always kind, someone who never looked down on me even when I fumbled through lessons or had a panic attack during an exercise. I knew she worked at Macalos, but I didn't realize she worked here. They have half a dozen offices all over the city, not to mention the country. I remember that someone named Newhouse had been trying to recruit Dr. Zhang. Is this some kind of family business? I removed my hands from his shoulders and put them on my hips, trying to feign ease. I haven't seen you in forever. You look great. Sophia tilts her head. But I just saw you at the vigil. Shit. I forgot about James's little outing. Yeah, 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 of course. I just mean I, I haven't seen you in, in this sort of setting. In forever. Business formal. She was at the vigil? What brought her there? She never visited Echo Park since we were emancipated, at least not to my knowledge. I scratched the back of my head, lowering my voice. Honestly, I was sort of in a fugue state when I saw you, the vigil and all. It was... <sighs> Her face softens, and with it, my nerves. 
James almost fucked this whole thing up, and he isn't even here. Asshole. I know. I'm so sorry. I know how hard the community is taking it. Mia would have loved to know that her death wasn't in vain. That it was galvanizing. Had purpose. I hope so. So what brings you here? Sophia straightens, and I wonder if I'm annoying her, or if James left a bad impression. She narrows her eyes. I'm supposed to be showing an archogenesis doctor around. I know. Technically, that's me. I need help, Sophia. Desperately. Is there somewhere we can talk in private? She leads me through a labyrinth of halls and several thick doors with high-end ID scanners. Security cameras are everywhere. When we finally arrive at her office, I'm surprised to see it's quite expansive and luxe. Is Sophia an important figure here? What do you do here, So, I ask, settling into a chair by her desk. Writing, marketing, PR stuff. I itch my chin. Oh, but why here of all places? They knew about my involvement with Archogenesis, the volunteer work. I made a name for myself after that in the pop sci world, writing for journals. They headhunted me recently, so yeah. So, how can I help? She hands me a bottle of expensive water and opens one for herself as she takes a seat across from me. I suck in a breath. I wanted to see if you could get me some information from Archogenesis. Like who worked there during the Alpha and Beta clone programs, biological donors, paperwork on our physiology, anything. She blinks for a moment, absorbing the request. Okay. Why? To find the killer. It started with Mia, but now Iskender's gone. Charles. Benny is still missing, so at this point, I, I, I don't I, I don't know. He's, he's probably dead too. Sophia stares, unblinking. I shift uncomfortably. Last I remembered, Sophia and Mia were close. Sophia and Benny too. But she doesn't react. Beyond a tightening at her jawline. You think it's a program doctor who's killing Echoes? I shrug. A caretaker. A lab tech. I, I don't know. But wasn't there hate speech graffitied at Mia's apartment? Most people at the vigil seemed to think it was anti-echo radicals. I think about the angry mob I saw at the protest. They're mad enough to kill, yes, but not like this. No, no. All the killings happen so fast. It feels more targeted than that. And Charles, God, I, I was hiding him. And they still found him and murdered him. They hunted him down. I don't mention the fact that I have my suspicions on some people within the circle as well. Better to stay focused on one suspect. Sophia winces. I'm so sorry, Terence. I can't imagine how you're feeling. I scrub a hand down my face. I really don't think it's just some random anti-echo group. It feels personal. I swallow a lump. Sophia. You were in and out of the retreat when we were younger, when you visited Mia. You had access to the facility. I did. I nod, bunching the fabric of my slacks under my damp hands. Can I ask, what do you know about the Alpha Echoes? 
They're programmed. Sophia looks at me, again, a strange distance in her gaze. Her pale legs are crossed daintily, one hand resting in her lap, the other on the arm of the chair, frozen in place. Her mouth opens a little, as if to break the silence, then closes once more. Sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, I say. Her reaction makes me uneasy. Yes, I knew about the Alpha Echoes and their program. Why? How much information is it wise to give to Sophia? Though she volunteered at Arcogen as a teenager, she hasn't been especially involved with the Echo community recently, aside from attending Mia's funeral. But now here she is at the firm courting Dr. Zhang. Where does she stand on Echoes? On the deaths? I clear my throat. <clears throat> All the years I was at Arcogen, they never let me meet any of the Alphas. From what I know, their development program was bad, negligent, at times even abusive. I'm worried that maybe someone from that program is trying to cover up past mistakes. Finally, Sophia shifts her posture, recrossing her legs. A little of the tension in the room thins. Ah, uh, I guess that makes sense. What you've gathered from the Alpha matches what I saw. I didn't have unrestricted access while volunteering, of course, but I learned a bit. The compound was right by yours, but they had very little outside access. It was more like a prison than a home for children. Clean and colorful, but very little enrichment. When the Alpha program started, there weren't plans to raise the Echoes long term. They didn't have developmental psychs on board. It was all just breakthrough hungry scientists and fucking rich funders who wanted secondary child options or emergency organ donors for their precious babies. Sophia's sudden cursing makes me blink in surprise. All of this I've heard before, but from news articles with little to no sources, it was just conjecture. This was someone who knew for sure it was now fact. It was all to see what kind of exceptional traits they could get out of them. I wondered why they didn't let them go, you know? If they only wanted the genetic material, why not sneak the alphas into adoption facilities to get rid of them? Later, I learned they were afraid of the other biofirms getting the DNA samples, reverse engineering the cloning process. They didn't want to lose copyright on whatever gene alterations they'd done. To hear Sophia state this so plainly makes my stomach turn. It takes me a second to find my voice. What kind of alterations? Turning different combos of genes on and off to see what happens, and then comparing the echoes to their sources. Genes associated with brain disorders, cancers, allergies, emotional instability, you name it. All they cared about was being beneficial to the control group. It was horrible for the echoes. Jesus. My head swims. How many alphas are suffering from disorders or other diseases brought on by their creators? How many are ticking time bombs waiting for their bodies to betray them? How many have already been betrayed? So my theory holds water. She smiles. A sharp, cruel thing. That someone would want to clean up their mess? Definitely. The abuse the alphas went through was a horror show. They were treated like lab rats. I shut my eyes. Why? 
Why, why didn't they integrate the alphas into the new beta program? The new CEO thought the alphas were already a lost cause, a failed prototype. He wanted a clean start. He wasn't wrong. It's difficult to come back from that. She shrugs and stands, smoothing down her skirt as she does. They deserve so much more. Yes, but we don't get what we deserve. Only what we take. Sophia leans forward, sets a soft hand on my shoulder, and I reach to cover it with my own. She's right. Roquet's protests and Charles's awareness campaigns, they both figured this out already. We'll only ever get the freedom we want if we push our way into the world that hates us. I stand, and Sophia pulls me into a tight hug. The warmth untying the knot of dread that built in my chest. She hugged me once like this as a teen, laughing as I hid my face in her neck. I was scared of some activity at the retreat. The memory blurred save for that moment. The first time, a non-echo showed me affection. It was humiliating at the time, but in retrospect, her spontaneity, how she laughed and patted my back fondly, it was the closest I've ever gotten to knowing what having a sister felt like. She draws back, patting my cheek with a gentle smile. It'll be all right, Terrence. I'll send you anything I find, okay? I take her hand, squeeze it. The drive from Akalos Therapeutics is a buzz of static in place of rational thought. Sometimes I cry. Why did I ever think I'd manage my trauma? Managed? Some days I can pour over the details of my life without batting an eye, and sometimes I learn something new about the cloning program and feel skewed for days on end. Today is one of those days. I can't stop picturing the things Sophia described. I was in the facility. I saw how bad we had it in the beta program. Imagining worse is easy. The thought glares as I walk into the Circle Community Center. It's empty. The meeting doesn't start for hours. I drop onto one of the threadbare couches and go through a few breathing techniques to clear my head. My nerves are beginning to find their level in the quiet, open space, as they always do when I'm here. I consider the murders. There are too many possible suspects. The killer could be a fanatic, like Sophia thinks, an Archogenesis employee, or even an echo from the circle, probably an alpha. Someone so angry about how they were treated, they decided to take it out on the echoes who keep trying to make peace with the world that hurts them. Am I back at square one again? I lean my elbows onto my knees, holding my face in my hands. Who's doing this? Who? The question pounds my skull. When it comes to murders, they say if you don't find a lead in the first 72 hours, the likelihood of solving the case drops dramatically. Fuck! I push my fingertips into my eyelids until red spots flare. What do I do now? And more importantly, with a killer still on the loose, who will be next? My head snaps up at the distant sound. Far away in the center, I hear a voice muffled. I leap to my feet, starting down the hall. Who would be here? I open the office doors one by one, slamming them as I go. Every room is empty. At the end of the hallway, I freeze, straining my ears. Roquet! 
Okay, please. The basement. I creep toward the end of the hall and find the basement door cracked open. Usually it's locked. Swallowing dryly, I open it with a creak and start down the steps, one by one. No, no, stop. You can't. More whispering now. Voices hissing urgently. Over the top of it, someone sobs. Stealing myself, I take the last three steps quickly, then peer around the stairwell wall into the yellow dim of the basement. I swear, I didn't tell anyone, Rokan. Fucking swear! The man cries, Julian, an echo I counseled and helped out whenever he was in a bind. He's currently zip tied to an old office chair, his blonde hair greasy with sweat and his nose trickling blood. One eye looks like it's just starting to swell. Around him loom Roque and their two staunchest supporters, Mira and Arturo. My eyes go wide. Roque balls their fists, leaning toward Julian. Then tell me, Julian, how did the anti-clone is mobilized so fast? A fucking schedule was posted on the conspiracy sites hours before we even left. I, I swear, I... I didn't tell anyone, oh, oh God, oh God, please, please. He's done it before, Mira hisses, rifling through Julian's jacket and pulling out his phone. Remember when a bunch of journalists kept showing up at our wellness appointments downtown? Because this fucker kept spilling to them for cash. That was one time, fucking ages ago. Arturo arches a brow. Two years. And you impacted nine echoes with that shit, you greedy asshole. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. They're fucking journalists, not hit, man. Look, they wanted to ask questions and, and I got to eat. You're really going to hold that over my head? Mira's lip curls. Eat. Is that what we're calling huffing Orion now? Mira scrolls through Julian's phone while Roque stares coldly down at him. Julian, I'll ask you one more time. Did you sell us out? I said I didn't, bitch! Roque's expression is one I rarely see on them. A mix of betrayal and revulsion. It evaporates all the kindness from their handsome features. The silence fills the space like a noxious gas. One word, threatening to ignite it all. Found it! Mira turns the phone over to Roque. Julian chokes on a gasp glancing rapidly between all three. Found what? Correspondence with an anti-echo group. A price is listed in the fifth email and there's the same amount in this CashPal app. Roque flicks her eyes from the phone screen to Julian. No, 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 I swear, that's not Their fists blast the rest of the sentence from Julian's mouth, wrenching his head sideways. Then, again, and again. And again, gouts of blood rupture from Julian's mouth, his nose. The other echoes watch without so much as a flinch. Faces, stone still. I snap my head back around the corner, fears chokehold throttling the air from my lungs. The thud of Roque's fist echoes, punctuated by wet splatters and gasping whines of pain. Fear festers up into my chest. I clamp a hand over my mouth. No, no, 
isn't right. This isn't Roke. It can't be. They would never hurt someone like this. Never. Especially not another echo. But my eyes didn't lie. The sounds of knuckles against flesh don't lie. The coppery smell of Julian's blood doesn't lie. Maybe Roque has always been capable of such violence. Maybe this rage was always in them, waiting to surface. Natural or artificial? Cultivated or inherited? The question rings in my head again. A single syllable, keeping the temple of Roque's fists. Who? 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 I refuse to believe the answer hammering against my skull. Not you, I think. Please, not you. So, of course, you know, at the end of these episodes, I like to reflect a little about what just happened, some new information we learned, uh, talk about archogenesis, but I would hate to be predictable. So instead, I would like to take a beat and mention that Echo Park is directed by someone that Realm regulars may be familiar with. It's my colleague from the horror channel called Fear, and his name is Pun Bandu. Pun, take it away. Hi, everybody. My name is Pun. I'm the director of Echo Park. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it was so much fun to direct this, especially with the talented Harry Shum Jr., who I think plays something like 34 different characters, um, especially those scenes where he's playing a clone, pretending to be a non-clone, pretending to be a clone. It's like Inception-like levels of intrigue. I hope you guys enjoy it. In addition to being a director, I'm also an actor. I've been on Broadway, Hollywood movies, um, and you can find me voice acting some, uh, some roles here on the Realm Network as well. I am currently the host on Fear, Realm's horror network, where the ghostly, ghastly, and grotesque are never out of style. I actually think sci-fi fans are going to love some of the stories we have on the Fear Network as well. And they run the gamut from social satire to comedies to even gothic romances. So make sure you come check us out too. I'll be waiting. So yeah. You heard the man, go check out Fear. And, uh, you know, uh, while you're there, uh, please uh, do be sure to listen to Dark Heights. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna name names, but you have definitely heard at least one of that show's voices before, somewhere, here. And make sure to join me again next time for episode seven of Echo Park. We are getting close to the end now, and I know you don't wanna miss it, so I won't start until you get there. That's a promise. Okay, take care. You're listening to Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Echo Park is a Realm production. Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Echo Park stars Harry Shum Jr. Written by Curtis C. Chen, Monty Lin, Millie Ho, Sloane Leong, and Jen Reese. Produced by Rhoda Belleza, Fred Greenhalge, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich. Directed by Pun Bandu. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, Julian Yap, and Harry Shum Jr. Associate produced by Michael Coulter. Starring Harry Shum Jr. and Nikki Toison. Loop Group actors David Chen, James Taku Leung, Constance Parng, and Artemis Snow. Sound design by Krista Giametti. Mixing and mastering by Rory O'Shea. Audio editing by Justin DeWald. Original score by Martin D. Fowler. Music supervision by Marcus Begala. Production manager, Alexis Latshaw. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Cover art by Kendall Thomas and Louise Daisy. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Kaylin West. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helikers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Begala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.